for Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, the head of Georgia's largest hospital says the state's current wave of coronavirus infections could surpass this summer's surge. Some 1,300 people were hospitalized with COVID-19 in Metro Atlanta when things were at their worst. At one point, there were projections that this wave that's beginning now would peak in January at maybe 1,500. If we were to hit that level, it really would make hospital capacity quite tight. John Hoppert, CEO of the Grady Health System, joins me to discuss what he's been seeing at his Atlanta hospital and what the next few months could bring. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. The head of Georgia's largest hospital says he's starting to see more COVID-19 patients at his facility. John Hoppert, who leads Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta, says that's especially concerning as Thanksgiving approaches and people plan to gather with friends and family to celebrate. He's with me now to discuss the current situation with the coronavirus at Grady and to talk about what the next few months could look like. John, thanks for talking with me. It's my pleasure. I want to start just by getting a sense of the current COVID situation that y'all are dealing with at Grady Memorial Hospital, you know, the kinds of patient volumes you're seeing, that kind of thing, lay out for me uh, what that looks like. We actually in the Atlanta Metro and at Grady have begun to see the beginnings of a new wave. Started about three weeks ago. We today, from the traditional COVID patients, had around 40. That low several weeks ago was 20. Um, What we're seeing in the market, the Atlanta metro area, is consistent with a a new wave forming. Um, One thing that so far I see in that, though, that is encouraging to me is it's flatter. It's not as rapid a growth rate as we saw back in September. So hopefully that does mean maybe we flatten the curve a little, but it's kind of early in this wave to know. Back in September, when we hit the peak in the Atlanta metro, we had around 1,300 patients hospitalized at one time. At one point, there were projections that this wave that's beginning now would peak in January at maybe 1,500. But I think we have seen better compliance somewhat 
with um, mask wearing and distancing, so hopefully we won't reach that level. If we were to hit that level, it really would make hospital capacity quite tight. Just to be clear, that 1,300, is that patients in the metro area? Is that at Grady? No, that's at the, in the metro area. Our highest was 103. We are seeing this uptick in cases in Georgia. Georgia isn't seeing it in the same way that, that other states really are. I mean, what do you make of the fact that the, the kind of speed with which the pandemic is picking up here does seem to be at a little bit of a slower rate than what we saw earlier in the year? Why do you think the growth is slower? I totally agree with that. And I think there's several things that contribute to that. While we didn't statewide have a mask mandate put in place, we did in some local jurisdictions. I think that helped. But at the same time, even though our governor didn't institute a statewide mandate, he did set a great example for wearing masks, maintaining distance, washing your hands. At every press event he did um, in his travels, he would reiterate that. And so I don't feel has politicized that the way some states have done that. Um, And I think that role modeling has probably helped as well. Um, And then this is just a thought I have had. But, you know, when being outdoors is safer than being indoors. Um, And, you know, we began to see the peak in the Midwest and northern states uh, a month ago. But, of course, it starts to get much colder there earlier than it does here. And we've still, you know, been enjoying our outside weather and being out and and living outdoors more. So it remains a question whether or not when it does become cold enough here where people are inside more, if we'll begin to see more of a rise. That brings us, I think, quite nicely to Thanksgiving. Next week, a holiday will be celebrated where people normally gather with members of their more extended family they might not be living in the home with, likely gathering inside for for eating and drinking. At least that's what a normal Thanksgiving would look like in a non-pandemic time. What are your concerns about that that coming holiday and, and what it could mean for the pandemic? It is concerning for families who choose to gather. There is risk created by that, particularly if they haven't been around each other or quarantined together. There's going to be thousands upon thousands of college kids coming home. And a lot of the schools I hear are providing COVID testing to the college student before they come home so that they have that baseline, which I think is fantastic. But I just think if families are going to gather, they have to be smart. And if they've not been around each other lately, they need to maintain distance, wear masks. Um, I know the few occasions on which I've been around my more long distance family We've done that, you know, and everyone wants to hug each other. Everyone wants to be together, but you just can't do that. So there is the potential to me for Thanksgiving and Christmas to create greater spread if people don't follow the rules. We've seen and heard messaging from state, federal public health officials about the risks associated with this holiday. But I've also wondered what kind of measures uh, someone like yourself think could be taken by, we'll say, state leaders. I mean, is, is it time as we're heading into this holiday season for state officials to, say, reduce the number of people that are allowed at certain gatherings, put in stricter restrictions, things like that? Well, I think certainly there's advantages to that. Enforcement is always, you know, a big trick. A number of public health folks have been proponents of mandating masking, which is great. I think it's a great measure. 
but the enforcement's the problem. So if there was a public edict that limit gatherings to 10 people, how you monitor that, I'm not so sure about. And I think encouragement of, of limiting groups to 10 versus mandating would accomplish just as much. I think we generally put a lot of value in someone mandating something, but I don't see any difference in the enforcement. One of the things that we're seeing and hearing from other parts of the country where cases are surging, hospitalizations are surging, is kind of what hospital capacity actually is. It's it's more than just having bed space, having particular equipment. Staffing is also a big part of a health system's capacity. Talk to me a little bit about what staffing is looks like for y'all as we're going into winter with potentially more people getting sick here in Georgia. What is the staffing situation for y'all? Staffing, particularly nationwide and statewide and locally for nurses, there is a definite nursing shortage. As you recall, Grady experienced an internal disaster back in December of 2019. 220 of our inpatient beds were taken offline. Those began reopening in August, but we will be back to maximum ability uh, by the end of November and currently are on track to be fully staffed to support those beds. But as, as you can imagine, if we go into a sustained peak, healthcare workers are becoming quite fatigued physically as well as mentally um, with the ups and downs of caring for COVID-19, the fears of taking this home to family. I think, um, well, I know Atlanta, Atlanta Metro is in pretty good shape from a staffing and bed capacity. And we continue to have assurances from uh, the governor that if need be, that they will reopen the Georgia World Congress Center, which we operated in conjunction with them. And during that last peak, we had as many as 43 patients over there. And so if need be, we will get that back up and running. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with John Hoppert. He's the CEO of the Grady Health System which of course runs Grady Memorial Hospital here in Atlanta, the largest hospital in the state. We are talking about the current rise of COVID-19 cases in Georgia and how that's playing out at his facilities. I want to dig into a little bit more the the kind of toll this is taking on staff, because again, a a person isn't like a physical asset, uh, a bed or a ventilator. Um, Caring for these patients, as you mentioned, takes a real toll on uh, workers' mental health. What kind of resources is Grady offering for your staff who are really working on the front lines and have been doing this for months and months now in a situation that appears to be deteriorating? Yeah, that's that's a really key question. We've been very attuned to the uh, mental, physical, and financial needs of our employees through this whole thing. It's amazing, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was fear about, okay, what is this virus? How does it impact the patient? How does it impact us? But we kind of got past that phase. Um, you know, they've got it down. But what really gets to them is the fact that no visitors are allowed in the hospital. And oftentimes um, when a patient passes away, that nurse or caregiver from Grady is the person who's with them. And, and of course, that takes a toll. A couple of things we've done. Number one, um, we were one of the few health systems that did not furlough or lay off anyone. 
And then we've provided extensive opportunities for debriefing, um, even providing psychologists on units or one-on-one. And then we also utilized a program we already had in, in place called the Employee Assistance Program, whereby employees contribute to a fund and the proceeds go to help other employees. And so on a normal year, we would normally have about 50 applications to that program. And already we're up to probably almost 1,700 um, grants we've made to employees, hardship-related grants um, since March. Specifically, the, the pandemic has not only taken a toll on healthcare workers' mental health, but on their physical health. I mean, a large percentage of the fatalities we've seen here in the country have been among people working in the healthcare space. How has Grady been affected by that? How many uh, employees of kind of any type have, have y'all lost to the pandemic? Less than 5% of our employees have actually contracted COVID. And the number of patients that have expired or passed away from COVID is two or three, um, but in all cases unrelated to their work at the hospital. Um, early on, before we knew a whole lot about it, we had two employees who were caring for family members and were exposed, became ill themselves, and passed away, and a third who contracted COVID in the community. We got a report from the White House Coronavirus Task Force last week that said the state needs to evaluate its kind of state of PPE reporting from hospitals. The report says there appears to be a significant supply issue in the state. Is that something that y'all are seeing at at Grady? Talk to me about the status of of, uh, PPE supplies. We're in good shape, and we made the deliberate decision when this whole thing started. You know, all hospitals at the beginning got caught short on PPE because we for years have worked in a just-in-time inventory system for efficiency. And of course, that doesn't pan out well in a pandemic. And so we we immediately began to build as we could a 90-day supply of the key PPE items and are now taking that up to 120-day supply. I have regular calls with the other CEOs of the health systems in Atlanta Metro And there's just been lately a few isolated situations, um, partly around exam gloves, but nothing significant. So at least in the Atlanta metro and at Grady, we're not seeing that. Putting together that kind of resource, I imagine, comes at considerable cost. Grady, um, according to records from the federal government, got nearly $127 million from the CARES Act. This was the big federal coronavirus relief bill. Talk to me a little bit about what that money has has meant for you, allowed you to be able to do, and then maybe where you are with that money now. I mean, Congress has been unable to put together a second relief package. Uh, So just talk to me a little about that. Sure. So, well, clearly all of us, all the health systems locally would have been in big trouble had that CARES Act funding not come through. I can just say for Grady, we would have ended up um, with a loss, uh, a dollar loss in 2020 of about $130 million, which is equivalent to the CARES Act funding. Had it not come through because of it, we will at least be able to break even Um, And, of course, the funds go toward the revenue that was lost when we actually shut down all ambulatory and elective essential-type procedures. But then, as you alluded to, the significant cost of additional PPE, additional drug cost, and count for the entire amount of that money. 
so far we're in, we are okay with the remaining funds we have to put toward COVID. My concern is what does next year look like? We've had great news around these two vaccines that who have come out of their trials. Sure. And just to be clear, those are the two vaccines, one from Moderna, one from Pfizer that you're referring to. Correct. Um, but if we continue to see continued spikes throughout 2021, I strongly urge Congress to provide another round of funding to hospitals because I think uh, many hospitals will be financially compromised due to that. Is it frustrating that Congress hasn't been able to put a second relief bill together? Yes, of course it is. But I think, you know, eventually, um, even in as divided as the world is these days, people value access to health care and keeping people safe. I made the commitment to our employees day one that we would never ask them to be put in a compromised situation due to lack of PPE, and, for, and we haven't been in that situation. So I think, um, you know, even the Senate is now talking a bit more rationally about what needs to be done. We put geographical boundaries on this pandemic that the pandemic itself doesn't observe. We think of surges in some states while other states are maybe not not doing as poorly. Talk to me about how you think about that as the, the, the leader of one of the largest hospitals in the country. The fact that the pandemic is surging in so many parts of the U.S., even if it is slower here in Georgia, eventually does that come to affect y'all? Yeah, it does. And you're right. The virus doesn't know a boundary. And, you know, we, you're right. We talk about it by this state, that state. But what is real about those state lines is the majority of the response is up to the state, each state, of how they're going to handle it, whether or not they issue another shelter-in-place mandate. You know, the emergency management functions within each state, how well they operate, determine how well the hospitals are prepared and can meet the needs of the community. So those boundaries really are more around, those state boundaries really are more around how we respond and how the individual state governments respond. But we all are compromised when individuals choose to ignore the basic tenets of masking, distancing, and washing your hands. And so much of the community spread we have seen in this country is due to people just either being exhausted with this whole thing or just intentionally choosing not to protect themselves and people around them. This pandemic has been with us now for many, many months. What is your kind of outlook for the future? What does the next year look like? I think 2021 is going to be another year of waves of cases. The news on the vaccines, I think, is better than any of us anticipated. 90% efficacy in one, 94.5% in the other. Um, What will be interesting is how willing is the public to actually take advantage of the vaccine? You know, who wants to be first in line, so to speak, behind the people that were in the trial? I think the uptake on the vaccine will definitely help with that. And the fact that it is available will help negate some of the cases we'll see. But COVID as a virus present in our community and a virus that is able to easily spread is, in my opinion, with us at least through this coming year. John Hoppert is the CEO of the Grady Health System. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. 
WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.